Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. In the Gospel of Luke, the Lord Jesus initiates his ministry with a visit to a synagogue in chapter 4 as he reads from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. He proclaims that his ministry is the fulfillment of the hidden but marvelous prophecy in the Old Testament regarding the Jubilee. Chapter 4, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and reports about him went through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues and was glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and according to his custom he entered on the Sabbath day into the synagogue and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send away in release those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. Bob Danker has joined us as we fellowship now beyond just the proclamation, the declaration of the Jubilee, we come to its application in chapter 9. Bob, we're back on this topic that will become, I think, dominant as we continue on, won't it, in the life study of Luke. Yes, this is a dominant theme, Chris, in the entire book of Luke, and in the life study, this uh, matter is brought out very clearly. This is a tremendous vision, a tremendous matter, the Jubilee, and uh, we pray and we hope that the Lord will bring all of us into the full reality and enjoyment of this wonderful Jubilee. Bob, if we uh, somewhat condense or summarize the points of the Jubilee, and it was uh, first mentioned in Leviticus 25 and then uh, spoken of by Isaiah in chapter 49, now the Lord comes back to it and really unveils it as the focus or the uh, vantage point from which to understand this gospel uniquely. Uh, We see it condensed or summarized in, in two basic provisions. Number one, the release from captivity, and number two, the restoration or recovery of the lost birthright, which is really the our portion is God's people to enjoy him. Uh, how do we see this as the uh, vantage point from which we want to look at the entire gospel now? Well, Chris, this makes the content of the entire gospel related to the Jubilee because man, fallen man has two major problems. Number one, he is in bondage to Satan and to sin. He has sold himself as a slave. Right. And number two, 
He is separated from God, and he has lost his right to enjoy God as his portion. So here, the Lord Jesus comes in the Gospel of Luke, picks up the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue, and reads Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, and then declares to the people that these words are now being fulfilled. And these words relate to the acceptable year of the Lord coming. This year is the year of Jubilee. When the 50th year came, all those who had sold themselves into slavery were released, and everyone who had sold his portion of the land of Canaan had this portion restored to his possession so that he could enjoy it again. So this is a marvelous picture of the gospel in which man is released from the slavery of sin and Satan and is brought back to the full enjoyment of God as his portion and his eternal possession. So, Bob, what we're seeing is, in addition to it being just a focal point in chapter 4, it really becomes the context from which we want to now examine and understand and be brought into the full meaning of the entire Gospel of Luke. So, as we come to chapter 9 now, the Lord is beyond the point of just proclaiming, declaring the Jubilee. We really see it applied as we approach many of these well-known stories, but we want to do it from this vantage point. And in this first segment today, we're going to see a very well-known story, the feeding of the 5,000 with just the two fishes and five loaves, and how this applies to the application of the Jubilee. Here's Witness Lee. The start of the ministry of the man Savior was in chapter 4, with Jubilee. And the Jubilee concept should govern the writing of all the following chapters. Now you come to chapter 9, 5,000 men with their wives, children, uh huh. If they would be dismissed with hunger, that would be no more jubilee. This one would complain, and the other one would complain. This one would say, "I'm staying here for the whole day. I'm hungry." And the other one say, "What? Where should I go? By what way? Nearly the whole day, I didn't get any food." You tell me, would this be the jubilee? What would this be? Famine. Not a jubilee, full of hunger. But after the feeding, that was real jubilee. Everybody was dancing, singing, praising. The Lord sent the twelve to spread his ministry. What was his ministry? You tell me, what was his ministry? His ministry was a ministry of jubilee. There'd be no poor ones. All poorer ones will be filled up. There will be no more captives. All captives will be released. And all will be brought back to the enjoyment of God. Think about it. What is this? Peter may say, what is this? Man, this is to believe. Declared in chapter 4. Twelve baskets of leftover. Two fish, five loaves, just seven. But now seven become twelve. This jubilee. You tell me, in the kingdom of God, could there be some kind of hunger? We all have to say no. What is this? Jubilee. In the jubilee, there will be no hunger but satisfaction. There will be no liking but fullness. 
everybody has been satisfied and there still be and left over this jubilee Bob, it sounds like all of the ones in that meeting were ushered into the Jubilee during this portion, doesn't it? It certainly does, Chris. I was thinking as uh, we were listening to this, an interesting comparison. If you look at these verses in chapter 9, let me read a portion. It says, But the crowds found out and followed him, and the day began to decline, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and fields to lodge and find provisions. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. But they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. And he said to the disciples, Make them recline in groups of about fifty. And he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they ate, of course, and were all satisfied. And what was left over among them was taken up, twelve handbaskets of broken pieces." Uh, But the contrast I was thinking of, Bob, uh, which is mentioned in the printed message, is the disciples' approach as compared to the Lord's approach in this principle of the Jubilee. Why don't you pick up this point? I think it's quite insightful. Yes, Chris. The disciples' approach, of course, here was to ask the Lord to send the crowds away so that they could provide food for themselves. This approach really is in the principle of the law. The law places requirements on man. In order to fulfill the law, man has to do something out of himself to meet those requirements. There is no supply from God to meet the requirements of the law. But the principle of grace, which is the New Testament principle, is that God supplies man with everything that man needs Mm. to fulfill the requirements of God and also to satisfy man's inner hunger. God doesn't ask us to do something. He asks us to receive what he supplies. So in this story here, the Lord asked the disciples to make the people recline in groups of 50, and then the Lord proceeded in a wonderful way under God's blessing to feed this great crowd of people, to supply every one of them so that not one of them was hungry. Everyone was fully satisfied, and there was a great deal of leftover. (laughs) There was an overabundance of supply. This is the real jubilee, when everyone has his hunger fully satisfied, and still there's something left over. This is God's New Testament gospel. This is God's New Testament economy. I think now our listeners are getting a vantage point from which to see where we're coming from, that this story now interpreted in this light of the Jubilee takes on an entirely additional benefit, doesn't it, Bob? It does, Chris. It shows us that the gospel brings us into a condition where we are released from all kinds of bondage, all kinds of want and lack, and our hunger is satisfied to the full, our need is met to the uttermost, and we have everything that we need to fulfill God's purpose in God's economy. And to contrast the reality of the Jubilee with that of the demands of a lifeless religion with ordinances and regulations, uh, the contrast becomes very vivid indeed. Okay, we want to look at another familiar passage, and now uh, what we want to notice here is the sequence in which things are ordered in this gospel now really begin to reinforce 
this understanding of the Jubilee, because the very next thing we come to in chapter 9 is another well-known passage. And as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered and said, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and others that a certain prophet of the ancients has risen up. And he said to them, But you, who do you say that I am? And, of course, Peter's legendary answer by now. Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. So the question of who he is becomes very pertinent as we understand the Gospel of Luke in the light of the Jubilee. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Everybody got excited. He himself was very calm. You know, many times when the people got excited, the Lord Jesus went away to be calm. And this time he did the same thing. He became very calm and prayed. He asked his disciples to tell him who he was. You know, this is a prophet, that is Elijah, this and that. Then he asked them, whom do you say I am? And Peter took the lead to say, you are the Christ. And here it is somewhat different from Matthew 16. Luke's view is just to show for the Jubilee there was the need of a Christ, of a Messiah. Then following this, very strange, he right away, all of a sudden, began to tell his disciples he was going to be crucified and to be resurrected. Dear saints, you have to realize without Christ, there'd be no jubilee. But suppose you have Christ, yet without his death, without his resurrection, could there be any jubilee? Without the death of Christ, no sinners could be released. Without the resurrection of Christ, no recovery right could be available. The release from the bondage is altogether due to the all-inclusive death of Christ, which really has released us from sin and from Satan. And the recovery of our right in enjoying God could only be available in the resurrection of Christ. Well, Bob, now we see uh, three indispensable ingredients, components, if we are to be in the Jubilee, don't we? That's right, Chris. If we are going to enjoy the Jubilee, we need three things. We need Christ, the Messiah, the one prophesied in the Old Testament, whose coming would bring in the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, when the Lord came the Jubilee came with him. And in addition to this Messiah, we need his wonderful death and his excellent resurrection. His death is really what releases us from Satan because in his death and through his death, he destroyed Satan and he also condemned sin in the flesh to release us from the bondage of sin, the world, the self, the flesh, all the negative things that we read about in the scriptures and that influence our life negatively. This is the effect of Christ's death. And the other aspect is his resurrection. In the Lord's resurrection, 
we have our right to enjoy him as the tree of life, the lost right. right. Adam lost it, right, yes. in the fall. That's right. Now, through Christ's death and in Christ's resurrection, we have the full right and the full way to enjoy Christ, to enjoy God in Christ as our portion, our eternal possession. So everything is recovered through the death and resurrection of Christ. Bob, is it fair to say that uh, a good number of the Lord's people perhaps are only enjoying half a jubilee? Uh, I think this portion about being released from the bondage of sin and the guilt of sin is maybe clear to most believers. But the portion about being not only released from captivity, but having our right of enjoyment recovered, this is another matter, isn't it? It really is, Chris. And the believers in the Lord need to have their eyes open to see that there is more than just release from bondage. There is the enjoyment of the Lord. There is the enjoyment of God in Christ as the Spirit, who's now indwelling our spirit as our day-by-day supply and our eternal portion, our eternal inheritance. Bob, as we progress, we see that the sequence in chapter 9 continues to reveal the Jubilee. Next, the Lord brings us to a passage beginning verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. And he said to them all, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake, this one shall save it. Another condition for our experience of the Jubilee is added, Bob. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Based upon his death, he taught the disciples to take up their cross and follow him by denying their soul life. I tell you, this is to what? To participate in the Jubilee. Jubilee was carried out by the death of Christ. But for us... To participate in the Jubilee, we must have the identification with his death. Think about it. Have you all seen this? On the one hand, there was the need of Christ's death to carry out the Jubilee. And he did. Then, on the other hand, there is the need that we identify ourselves with his death. That is to bear the cross. That is to deny our soul life. We need this. That we may participate in the jubilee, which has been accomplished by Christ's death. The real jubilee was fully enjoyed by the early disciples in Acts and in the epistles. Paul was one who was fully in the enjoyment of the jubilee. How much Paul was a captive. And then he was captured and brought back into the Jubilee. He got released from Satan, from sin, from the world, from Jewish religion. And he was brought into the full enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ as the embodiment of God in resurrection. So his epistles are just a full description of his enjoyment of the full and real and practical jubilee through death and in resurrection. 
Bob, we have seen the Lord Jesus apply the Jubilee to the multitudes. Then we see him revealing that he himself, with his death and resurrection, is the reality of the Jubilee. And now we see that our identification with his death and living in his resurrection are the only way for us to stay in the reality of the Jubilee. Isn't this a wonderful revelation, Chris? This is so practical. First of all, to have the Jubilee, we need Christ with his death and resurrection. Through his death and in his resurrection, the Lord has accomplished the Jubilee. He has made this fully available to all of us. Now we need to enter into the full participation in this Jubilee. We have to have the way for us to apply this Jubilee to ourselves. And the Lord here ushers us or opens up this way to us. And this way is simply to identify ourselves with his death. That means we have to acknowledge that when he was crucified, we were crucified with him. Then, day by day, we need to bear our cross by denying ourself, by losing our soul life. This experience of Christ's death really practically releases us moment by moment from all kinds of bondage. Then we need to learn to live in resurrection. That is, we need to learn to live in our spirit where the life-giving spirit who is the resurrected Christ, Christ in resurrection. He is in our spirit, and he's the reality of resurrection. When we are in our spirit, we are in resurrection. We are experiencing resurrection. And in this resurrection, we have the full enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. This is the way for us to apply and experience and participate in the jubilee, which has been accomplished already by the Lord. Bob, in about the minute or so that we have left, if you would go back to this matter of picking up our cross, bearing our cross daily, very quickly, what it is and what it isn't, because I think there's a lot of confusion about this in Christian circles. That's right, Chris. To bear the cross is not just to suffer. The cross terminates us. The cross puts to death our natural life, our old man, our self, our flesh, and all the negative elements within us. The cross actually liberates us. So this cross, however, is in the life-giving spirit who dwells in our spirit. So when we turn to our spirit and exercise our spirit and we live in our spirit, then we spontaneously have the application of Christ's death and the release that comes with it. So we're not talking about a kind of asceticism here of seeking out suffering to our flesh, which has been practiced over the centuries and to really no avail. But this living in resurrection by living in our spirit does bring a termination to a lot of the appetites and desires of the natural life, doesn't it? Absolutely, Chris. This is the real experience of the cross. Well, we need more time to get into this more fully, but uh, there'll be more opportunities as we carry on in this life study and in all of those to come. So we'll come back to this subject again and again. Uh, I enjoyed our fellowship a lot today, Bob. The Jubilee, how marvelous. How marvelous. Well, we would like to invite you to enter into the Jubilee uh, in your own experience with the Lord Jesus. And, of course, we'd uh, like to offer you also some resources that Living Stream Ministry provides that will help you understand the Gospel of Luke from this vantage point, as we're seeing now, is, is really the high place from which to see Luke and his burden and how the Apostle Paul lived in this reality. And this is God's desire for all of his children. Please call us, and we'll tell you how to receive the Life Study printed messages and uh, as well as many other resources we have available. Our toll-free number, 
Life Study. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to us, radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.